Thanks a lot. You guys can be seated. If you're just joining us, uh, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new, we're always glad when new folks come. And it's just so awesome to see people that just keep coming back. And you call Sunridge home in spite of the fact that I'm the teacher today. So thank you for coming. You know, um, I know that on Father's Day like this, there's, there's like so many emotions that could be running through our church, you know, some of you are just like living the dream of fatherhood, and some of you are really suffering in that role <clears throat> and trying to hold on. And uh, some of you have lost your dads this year. Some of you moms, you single moms, and, and you're, you're pulling double duty, your mom and dad. And I just want to say that I have mad respect for anybody who is holding down the fort as a dad. Uh, and in whatever way that you're doing it right now. Some of you, are, you're divorced, and your kids are, you don't see them all the time, and you're trying to be the best dad that you can. God's love is fierce for us, wherever we're starting from today. You know, uh, being a dad, it's like, it's like, it's really hard. It's probably harder than being a mom, I would think. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. So let me, just run through, let me just run through some of the hats that some of you dads might have worn this week alone. And you see if you can't relate. You'll get, you'll get it, even though uh, I'm not... You'll get it, okay? How many of you were an alarm clock this week for your kids? You woke them up. Raise your hand. This is a participative part. Raise your hand for the stuff that applies to you. How many of you were oral hygienists? Okay, great. You see? You're getting where I'm going here? Okay, storyteller. How many of you told your kids a story? This week, not about high school and how awesome you were on the football team, but how many of you played the role of nanny this week? Dads? Any, any nanny dads? Okay. Awesome. How many dads were short order cook this week? Anybody make fried bologna? Okay, I'm just saying. That's what my dad used to cook. How about paramedic? Anybody, any dads uh, fixed a boo-boo this week? That's also known as, known as paramedicine. How about Uber driver? You drove your kids somewhere, dad. Come on, keep, come on, just got to play the game, folks. Uh, coach, how many of you coached your kids this week? You played the role of coach. Really? Okay. You guys, you, got, you have to stick with this part. I'm just going to keep going, okay? Dishwasher, any dads did dishes this week? Okay, now we're on program. Career advisor, anybody advise your children about their career this week? Okay. Psychologist, anybody play the role of psychologist? Thank you. Uh, scholastic tutor, you helped your kids with math or something? Okay. We're on a roll here. Fashion advisor, anybody <laughs> help your... So I just want to say a little bit about this shirt. The ladies love it, guys. And you guys have all been making fun of me about it. Except for one guy, Mike Stye, you're my boy. Thank you for appreciating. Picture it like I've served part of my sentence and I just have a little bit left. Uh, how many of you were a server this week to your children? Okay. Maid service? Anybody pick up after your children? Okay. And then breadwinner or work? Anybody go to work? Okay. So thank you. Thank you for your lame participation. Sunridge. Um, but here's the deal. Um, we're in a series right now, if you're just now joining us, called Lies We Believe. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at certain lies that uh, are perpetuated and kind of debunking them. And uh, so today, because it's Father's Day, 
I want to deal with this lie. And there, there's a couple versions of it. Uh, you might have heard it as uh, uh, dad jokes are corny. That's a lie. <laughs> um, dads tell lame jokes. That's a lie. You know, all through this series, we've been saying that we, the best way to refute a lie is with the truth. So I'm about to bring the truth in a big way to you, so watch the screens, and you tell me when we get done if dad jokes are corny or not, okay? Good to see you. How are you? Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Turn that off. Um, what are you doing? What's up? Go ahead. Come on. What do you got? What do mermaids wash their fins with? <laughs> Tide. <laughs> the first part was funnier. You should have never thrown the punchline. That was terrible. Oh. Did you know in King Arthur's time, one of the knights of the round table collected taxes? His name was Surcharge. Yeah. <laughs> Top that. What did the fried rice say to the shrimp? Fry your rice. Don't walk away from me. <laughs> Is that what it says? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Did you hear Steve Harvey and his wife got into a fight? <laughs> That's not real, is it? Yeah. It was a family feud. <laughs> Did you hear about the superhero with a lisp that always worked out? <laughs> He's Thor. <laughs> Bad ending again. Hey, what are you talking? How can you not? Uh, what kind of setup, car then... does an egg drive? A Jokwagen. What? A Jokwagen. Yeah. Get it? What do you call someone who gets mad when they don't have any bread? Lactose intolerant. All right. All right. What was the foot's favorite type of chips? Doritos. That's terrible. If Steven Seagal removed all animal products from his diet, what would we call him? You, you can probably get this one. Steven Vigali? Vegetable? Vegan Seagal. Vegan Seagal. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that in 15 oh. years. Oh. What did the plumber say to the singer? Mm. Nice pipes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cold if, man. If Spaghetti man. made an action movie, what would it be called? A spaghetti Western? Mission Impossible. <laughs> So is it a lie or not? So uh, every guy, when you leave here today, you're going to get a gift. You know, I've been watching Mother's Day around here for years and how moms get these special gifts. We have a gift for you. It's a Laffy Taffy. Okay, now there's a reason for that, not just to spike your sugar. Um, on every Laffy Taffy, I don't know if you knew this or not, there are two jokes. And they're kind of in the category of dad jokes, I just have to say, whatever your opinion is of that. So here's the deal, family. Everybody wins in this. First of all, you got to let your dad read the jokes. Okay? And you, you, everybody wins because, first of all, dad gets two new jokes, and you get two fresh jokes because I know you've been hearing the same ones from dad over and over and over again. So, um, look, um, it may not be true, uh, well, it is true that dads tell corny jokes. I, I know that that is a little tongue-in-cheek here. But being a dad is no joke. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you're a dad thinking about being a dad, about to be a dad, or any other version of that, I want you to really listen up. It's going to be very straightforward. You know, on, on Father's Day, we try to do something a little different here at Sunridge. So uh, I'm talking to you guys, to guys today. So we're going to be uh, shorter than usual, but super direct. Okay, four things we want to talk about today. So since being a dad is no joke, number one, you need God now more than ever. Being a dad is no joke, so you need God now more than ever. You know, Genesis says that we are made in the image of God. Psalm 139 talks about how uh, God has even uh, some creative capacity while, while we're in the womb. So if you, if you put that together... The situation that you're in and the person that you are and the role that God has given you is uh, part of your identity and who God has made you. And so the fact that you're in a role that is God-given should drive you toward him. You know, uh, a lie that a lot of guys believe is that, you know, being a Christian is some sign of weakness that we have to be independent, and, you know, a real man really depends on nobody but himself. I love what Nick Foles has said about that. I'm going to put the quote on the screen. My faith in the Lord means everything. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and that's first and foremost. That's everything. I wouldn't be able to do this game without him because I don't have the strength to go out and do this. If you don't know who Nick Foles is, he was the backup quarterback who became the starting quarterback and led the Philadelphia Eagles to the world championship. He's very bold in his faith and says that even like in such a practical way is playing the game of football, God is a big part of that. You know, there's a religious leader uh, in the... Uh, in John's Gospel, John chapter 3, you might have heard this name before, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was at the top of his game. He was super ambitious. He went to uh, the best schools of that day, and he went through rigorous years after year of education. He was very disciplined, and so he's at the top of his field. He is known as a Pharisee. And these were honored and revered and, and top-shelf people uh, of that religious culture at that time. And yet, when Jesus came on the scene, Nicodemus realized that he was missing something in spite of his success. And so, like a guy, he goes to Jesus at night. Maybe he's a little embarrassed for his colleagues and others to know that he wants to know more about Jesus Christ, and when he talks to Jesus, Jesus says, you know, it doesn't matter what you've achieved, you still need to be born again. Nicodemus realized in that moment that he had a lot, and that he knew a lot, but there was something missing. If you're a dad, you need God now more than ever. Nothing like becoming a dad can make you realize that. How much, how, how little you know, how ill-prepared you are. When they put your first child in your hands, 
in the birthing room, it's like you're overwhelmed with you know, emotion, but also this sense of responsibility in the sense that you're way behind the curve. There's so much that you need to know, and that should drive us back to our Creator. Jesus once said this in John's Gospel, chapter 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that certainly applies to the role of being a father. You know, studying for this message just kind of took me back through my life and the difference the gospel has made in me. And, you know, I've gone through fatherhood once, and now I'm in grandfatherhood. Um, and it just takes me back each time to, like, how ill-prepared I am for this phase and how much I need God and how different my and Cindy together, our lives, the trajectory of our lives changed dramatically because of the transformation that Jesus Christ brought to our lives. You know, today, I'm sure across this country in many, many churches, a lot of guys are hearing messages about being a leader in the home. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But the best thing we could do as dads is be a follower. In fact, to be a good leader, you must be a good follower. And to be someone who leads people who depend upon you in various ways. And if you desire to leave a legacy that's meaningful, you need God. So become a follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you have been traveling with us through this series or many others, and you've been coming to church, and, but you've never stepped across that line of faith. You've never said, you know, I'm going to nail this down, and I'm going to give my life and my heart to Jesus Christ. You've been holding back for whatever reason. Just let the, the heavy responsibility of being a father Take you toward God. You can, you can turn your life and your heart over to Christ right where you sit. You just, there's no magic words. There's no magic prayer. But if you give over and submit your life to the gospel and bring Christ into your life and become a true follower, it will dramatically change your life. So if you're a guy, establish your own spiritual life. Make sure that you are square with God. Because it's a well you will often need to draw upon as a father. Number two, uh, since being a dad is no joke, you need a wingman now more than ever. You need a wingman now more than ever. I'm old enough to remember the Marlboro Man. Anybody remember the Marlboro Man? Okay, I'm going to put his picture up here for those of you that are unaware. Some of us are a little older and nostalgically going back in time to TV commercials. So if you don't know about the Marlboro Man, um, probably one of the most brilliant ad ideas ever in American history. And the Marlboro Man was successful in getting 
millions upon millions of men to start smoking, which is a great thing, right? Um, but how they did it is through this marketing, the image that you have. I mean, the Marlboro man is always like ruggedly handsome. He's got a cowboy hat on and all the commercials, usually the vest, jeans, chaps. And he's usually sitting on a horse out in the middle of some vast prairie when he lights up his cigarette. And, you know, men said, I want to I be that guy. I want to be that strong, independent, I don't need anybody else guy. And the one thing that was consistent always with the Marlboro man is he was always alone. Well, his horse. But he was always alone. There is no such thing in the real world as a Marlboro man. No matter how much we want to hold on to that myth, and it's especially not true if you're a dad. You know, uh, we, we look at a lot of scriptures here at Sunridge that are penned by the Apostle Paul, the most prolific writer in your New Testament, basically the second half of your whole New Testament. The Apostle Paul was a stud. He was ambitious. He uh, studied at the, the greatest schools of that time. And he achieved the, the pinnacle of his uh, field and also being a Pharisee, a Pharisee who was a leader, a Pharisee of Pharisees, top of his game. Yet in every one of his books in your New Testament, he will always point toward the, the redemptive work of the gospel in his life and to the impact of having other people in his life. And you'll read things like this in Galatians 1-2 where he says, you know, I'm writing to all the brothers with me, or this greeting is from all the brothers who are with me. And sometimes he calls them out by name, people like uh, Onesimus and Epaphroditus and Timothy and Mark. But Paul always has a crew. He has a wingman or, or wingmen. And you know, Jesus was not that different. Uh, he had a crew. Twelve men he called his disciples. And he invested his life in them, but there was a camaraderie among them that was a catalyst to them being even stronger Christ followers as they followed along with him. And after one of Jesus' especially hard teachings in John 6, a lot of people had left him, and he turns to his disciples in John 6, verse 67, he says, he asked them, do you want to leave too? And I know that, that that was literally a question to focus them on following him, but I can see in that a bit of humanity too. You know, Jesus lived fully as a human being. We need each other. We need a wingman. So don't believe the lie that you can do it alone because you need Jesus and you need some other guys around you. Who are the brothers with you right now? If, if you can't list a name or two of someone that's like, that's my bro. That's who I go to. That's who I bounce my ideas off of. That's where I tell, like, 
my vulnerabilities, where I'm failing, where I'm struggling. That's where I go to get advice. If you don't have some names, you've got to get some names. You can figure this out. I don't need to give you a list of how to do that, but if you, you know, uh, play, hang out with some dudes, drink coffee with them, play golf, go surfing. I'm always available. Um, you know, find some guys. Figure it out. Because you need some brothers who are with you. Number three, since being a dad is no joke, you need to be the dad now more than ever. You need to be the dad now more than ever. If you're a dad, you've got to fully embrace the role of your dadness. And by that, I don't mean mom's assistant. There is a place for dad in a family. And it's an important role. In fact, there's a growing body of research that says that in a family where there's an engaged dad, not just a dad in a body, but an engaged dad, you will cut in half the risk of uh, teen pregnancy, delinquency, and depression. If you're an engaged dad, you're much more, you have a much higher percentage chance of raising children with higher IQ scores, and that includes emotional IQ as well. And if you have daughters, an engaged dad will, uh, your, your percentages are much higher to have ambitious daughters who have a positive body image. Super powerful. In fact, the, there's something that I would call the dad difference. It comes from a study out of Rutgers University. And this study, uh, the words that they use is that, you know, uh, the impact of a dad is due to their significantly different parenting style in three areas, play, risk, and protection. Let's talk about play first. You know, a dad plays different than a mom. We play in a way that's less modulated and more physical. And so uh, in that physicalness that we generally bring to our household, kids learn empathy. They learn how to deal with their frustration and become more tolerant. Uh, They uh, gain focus and they have respect for other people's boundaries. Uh, They will improve not just their physical skills, but they will learn how to deal with losing without cheating or vindictiveness. Unless, of course, you're teaching them how to do that. Here's one quote, children who roughhouse with their fathers quickly learn that biting, kicking, and other forms of physical violence are not acceptable. So I'd just like to say that as a dad, if you teach your kids how to do the WWF pile driver, you're doing a good thing. (laughs) Don't do that move. The second category is risk. A dad's approach to child raising... um, encourages kids to take more risks. Uh, They're more likely to embrace challenges, to be independent. But moms, again, generally speaking, tend to focus on safety and emotional well-being. Here's another quote. Fathers play a particularly important role in the development of children's openness to the world. They tend also to encourage children to take risks while at the same time ensuring the latter's safety and security, thus permitting children to learn to be braver in unfamiliar situations as well as to stand up for themselves. Dads, we teach our kids to take risks so that they're more prepared to go out into the world. 
And in the area of protection, of course, all parents play a role in protecting children. But the, the study at Rutgers shows that our, just our, that we're bigger and our more intimidating presence kind of builds a fortress around our kids. So it's entirely appropriate for you to write your dating rules on a, ba a baseball bat <laughs> and to swing it vociferously in front of people, boys that come over to see your daughter. Uh, and uh, one psychologist from the study said that a paternal absence has been cited by multiple scholars as the single greatest risk factor in teen pregnancy for girls. Huge, huge impact, which is all saying give your kids as a dad to be fully engaged and give your kids a meaningful spiritual legacy, to be intentional about that. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, we find um, kind of reinforcement of that. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is an old world way of saying, dads, be fully engaged in the spiritual development of your children. And not just talking about it, but let them see you do it. Let them do it alongside you, to join you in that, that it's part of everyday life, that your spirituality and your relationship with God comes through. There's a lie, I think, that some men believe that mom will always be the spiritual heart. You have a heart too, guys. And it's different, it's shaped different, differently. But your heart is supposed to be part of that spiritual environment in your home. So show your kids how to follow God. Sure, coach them. Teach them things. Show them how to throw a curveball or a football or swing a golf club or a baseball bat. Show them how to ride a dirt bike or tie a fishing lure. Or uh, show them how to read, how to work, how to drive, how to change a tire. Do all of that stuff. Show them how to work hard, to be ambitious, to do business. But show them how to follow God. Show them how to be a Christian. If you're a dad, be a Bible guy. Be a prayer guy. Let them see you serve. And you be the guy on Sunday morning that says, get up, we're going to church. Talk with your kids about what's important. And lead them toward God. That is not just mom's job. Lead your children to a relationship with God and give them a lasting spiritual legacy. By being the dad. I know that for some of you, you're like, it's too late for me. It's like my kids are grown. I made all these mistakes. I, our home is broken. Can I just like get your attention for a minute? Things happen that none of us are prepared for. And I'm sure that you've, if all of us, if you're married or you have children, there's challenges that we never dreamed that we would face. 
And some of us end up broken or limping from that. Be the best dad you can be from where you are right now. If you're divorced, be the best divorced dad your kids could ever have. If your kids are grown and you made a lot of mistakes, be the best broken dad. Admit your mistakes. Let them see you repent. Let them see how you deal with your own mistakes. And that will lead them toward God as well. Lastly, if being a dad is no, is, is no joke, you need to stay now more than ever. You need to stay now more than ever. I know that in an audience like this, there's some of you dads, and you're sitting here, and it's like life is hard. Either it's your kids, your business, your relationship with your wife, and you're struggling. And in your mind, these, you're saying, you know, they'd be better off without me. I deserve better. They deserve better. And certainly the grass is greener over there with her. Don't walk out. Work it out. But I'm going to let Jonathan Evans tell you this part. So watch the screens. Where are the men? But the problem is that today, it seems like we're not around. I mean, we're around, we're just not around. Because most men choose to be more like the abominable snowman, footprints everywhere but nowhere to be found. We live in a generation of boys that are being raised to be men, just like their mothers. Because 70% of them in the African-American community don't have fathers. And 40% in rising in the Anglo community don't have fathers. So I'm just saying we're around, we're just not around. Spending all of our time right in the middle of a decaying culture that we ourselves have bound. Women, forced to be mothers, fathers, leaders, protectors, nurturers, providers. They're pretty much doing it all, operating all outside of their created being. But then you and I, we want to take them to the counselor and tell the counselor that she won't submit. Submit? Submit to what? Submit to a man who won't submit? Well, that would automatically create friction, and besides, it's an inherent contradiction. Jesus' whole life was about submitting to the Father. So if we're supposed to be men who are following Christ, we ought to submit as he did so that our kids can watch us submit to the Father. So the problems you feel you have with your wife, the next man won't experience with your daughter. Girls have a twisted view of love these days. They'll literally date the devil just to experience a man. While boys think their manhood is wrapped in the 
how many women they can sleep with just like their Rolling Stone daddies and handling their problems with a gun in their hand all because of the absence of a man? Oh, we're around. I'm just saying we're not around. Look around. Our culture is suffering because of the man's unwillingness to suffer. But when I look at Christ, I see that he suffered, especially when he hung on the cross. So it seems to me that suffering is the job description given to man from the boss. Suffer. That requires that you and I be a little bit tougher. And I'm not talking about just staying at work later or chasing harder after shiny things and dreams. You know how men do. Even though I do realize that we all have to provide. I'm talking about suffering and Christ's sufferings because that's the only thing that'll keep your legacy in mind. Like when my granddad died and he was there laying on his death cot, his kids and his kids' kids weren't standing around talking about the things that he bought. I think not. It was more like when my sister Crystal ran over to him and said, Grandpa, Grandpa, your grandkids are running around going crazy as if this is a day to celebrate. Do you want me to quiet the boys? Grandpa said, no, no, Crystal, you don't understand. This is a day to celebrate because I wanted to die to this noise. And then it happened. He fell asleep right there in the middle of his own den. But I can still see the pride in his face because he was surrounded by all his kingdom men that came from him. Yeah, we prayed with him. And we also thanked him for not letting anything in his life be a deterrent. Because now that allows his legacy the opportunity one day to hear what he heard that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. But I got another granddad. We call him Two Daddy. He's in Baltimore. He still lives. And I know you may know a little bit about his story because that's how Tony Evans is who he is. First generation Christian. Don't think the Evans family was always saved. You'd be amazed. From high school dropouts to drugs and poverty, that was our legacy back in the days. But Two Daddy found that word. He ran into Christ and then he got saved. And he held that thing close and never fumbled it even though his wife took him through an emotional maze. And that lasted for about 365 days. He suffered a lot as well. But on day 366, she even came downstairs with tears in her eyes because the spirit put her under a spell. And I'm not talking abracadabra. This was a courageous investment of two daddy's time. And now that one year of suffering has become a 50 year harvest that I can call mine and my wife and my son and my daughter and my child to come. And it's our job to hold that legacy tight until Jesus comes and says that it's done. But enough about me, what about you? What has your legacy become? And if your legacy hasn't started yet, then I dare you to be the first one. But that's enough, they gave me 20 minutes, but I figured six would say what I need to say. Besides, my prayer is simple, that the men in this room would become kingdom men if not already and start building your legacies today. Now that's greatness. Well. You know, I've been wanting to show that video for a couple of years and I've been waiting for just the right time. And I feel like on this note, he said it so much better than I could. You know, I know that I've been talking really direct today. Um, if this is your first Sunday, I'm not always 
so eyeball to eyeball with you. But I think it's a message guys need to hear. And I found myself kind of like split today. I wanted to address every man in this room who is in an intact family, and yet you're dealing with all the stuff that every guy deals with in that situation. And I wanted to call you to a higher calling. I wanted to press on you a little bit that you would not forget that your role as a dad is no joke. On the other hand, I know that in our audience today, there's some of you that that message, like it just puts you under a pile. It's like you're just going back through the mistakes that you've made. And, and so I was left with this dilemma. So if I could just split the room and say, if, if you're still home, dad, if you're married, if you're struggling, it's like I want to call you to that calling to be the dad, to get your wingman, and, and to stay and not walk out, but work it out. And, you know, I want to say to those of you that you look back on the mistakes that you've made, and I don't want to put you under the pile. Be the best dad, divorced dad, mistake-ridden dad that you could possibly be. Take Take those mistakes and let God's grace be sufficient for you because whether you're a great dad or a struggling dad, we all need God's grace. I want to leave you with a verse uh, that's in Proverbs. I'll put it up on the screen. It says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. And that, that is true from wherever you're starting. I want to close the loop for, for everybody, the, everything we've talked about, and take you right back to where we started in our need for Jesus Christ. And, it, and when we lean on him, when we realize that our fortress, our security, our purpose is found in God, when we do that, we build something that's lasting. And whether our kids are in our home or gone or we're separated or we're in the middle of, you know, the biggest struggle of your life, you be that person that follows Christ and goes back to God and you will create a refuge for your children. You can't control everything in your life, but you can control you. And you can make sure that you're square with God and that you're following him wholeheartedly. And when you do that, God will work in your life. Let's pray.